Yeah, um, David was the thing when Michelle talked about the slip and slide um, at our Liverpool campus. Hi, Nina. Hello. Good How morning. are you? Good morning. I'm great, thank you. I'm right. not going on a slip and slide. That's David's job. Oh, wow. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Nina's, um, Nina's volunteered to uh, take on mentoring for us, particularly with the young adults and for us as a church. Mentoring. And I want Nina to talk to a, bit, a bit about that. And what's the first question I have is, what's the definition of mentoring for us at LifeGate? Basically, uh, mentoring is relationship with a purpose. Say it again. Relationship with a purpose. Ah. So it's not just relationship? No. If you want to catch up and have a coffee and chat about life, that's called friendship. Mentoring relationship is with a purpose. A relationship with a purpose. And what's the purpose? The purpose is to connect, to find freedom, and the purpose that God has for you for your life. Perfect. Yeah, really good. Why are you passionate about this, Nina? I'm passionate because I'm passionate about seeing people grow. And this is, this is one of the best ways that we can see people grow. In a, in a close um, relationship like this, we, where you can be honest um, and then take action. Put those two values in there. You've done very well. <laughs> Deny. Get real. <laughs> just take sneakily. action. Really, really good. But it's true. I'm not just saying that. That is actually true. <laughs> so what are you working on right now? Um, so what I'm working on is a mentoring manual. So a handbook for people who think that they can't mentor. I've heard people say, oh, I'm not good enough. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you are. But there is going to be some resources in there and a basic rundown of um, what to do as a mentor and how a mentoring relationship will look like for you. Really good. How many people have experienced mentoring either as a person who's been mentored or mentoring others? Hands up. Awesome. Really good. Um, As a church, we we did a big push on it a number of years ago, and I think we dropped the ball a bit. So Nina's regathered the ball and going to take us to a whole nother level with mentoring. I am. Amen. So what will the mentoring relationships look like? The three main things um, is support, encouragement, and challenge. So it's to get alongside someone, to be on their team, but they're going to be accountable to the mentor uh, for, you know, growth and change, essentially. So it's, you get there, you talk about, you know, how you're going, what do you want to achieve, how is your relationship with Jesus, how are your other areas in your life, how can we move forward, how can I help you? That's lovely. Yeah. I love that. The last question talks about the vision, but I think you pretty much said it already. I think so. Yeah, you're doing well. So Nina is going to head this up. She's going to do a fabulous job. I'm heaps excited about it. You just did, you did a course about a life coaching course? Yeah, so I'm... I have, I've, I'm trained as a counsellor, yep. and now I'm just in the middle, well, near the end of some training in life coaching. Wow. Yeah. So uh, goal setting, solution focused, forward thinking. Forward. Who's excited about this? Me. Yeah. Me. So when are we going to launch this thing? October the 20-something. Yeah. Vision next, night in October. Our next Everybody, vision 20. night, it's a, I think it's the 23rd or the 24th of October, <laughs> Tuesday night, it's here. Yeah. And then it's going to present to everyone who's interested in mentoring. So Which if I you, hope it's everybody. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, so if you, have, if you are currently mentoring or being mentored, be here. If you're thinking about it, it's something that interests you, come and find out more information. Just because you come doesn't mean you have to. It's just to get more information, find out what it's about. I've had um, mentors for the last 12 years of my life, and they're exceptional. The places you can go and be honest, you can ask questions, they challenge you, and help you grow in your relationship with God and honour Him. So I'm in. Yeah, me too. Can I say one more thing? Do whatever right? you like. Do whatever I like. Woo-hoo. We like Freedom. to see a dance. Freedom. No, Sing and I, dance. I refuse right. to do that. Um, 
we've talked a lot about generations and putting into the next generation financially, and mm. that's going really well from what I can hear somewhat. Good. Um, and I want to challenge you that we also want to put into the next generation with our time and our effort. So that was what I wanted to say at the end. Well done. Can we give a hand? Thank you, Dina. Great job. Awesome. Well, I'm going to talk a bit about that this morning. I haven't called it mentoring. But I've talked about what does it mean for us to invest in people. Can I get the clicker? And then we'll go. Investing in people. Let's pray. You ready for the word this morning? Everyone say 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we're going this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be, um, to be gathered together in the name of Jesus. Father, you have put us all here, not by accident, but by, but by your plan. And God, you're going to speak to us today. Lord, anoint me for this task of presenting your truth. Help me to remember what I've prepared. Lord, that you would speak through me, that you would give us ears, hearts open to hear what you want to say to us today. May we be challenged, equipped, and changed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I, as I said last week, I'm turning 40 in a couple of months. How did I get to 40? Like, how does that happen? Michelle said, if you don't have a party for this one, because we're wrestling about, do I have a party, don't I have a party? Your next party's 50. 50? How, does, how did that happen? Not that I'm getting, is it? Not that any, you know what I mean. 40. And, and, and as I look back over my life, I, I see that there have been people individuals who have been deliberate in investing in my life. Let's start with my mum. Is my mum in the room this morning? Oh, she's here. Hi, mum. It's great to have you here this morning. Um, always here. You are. Um, Dad worked a lot um, when I was growing up, so mum, mum was our main investor. And if you know my mum, she encouraged us. And everyone knows my mum encouragement. And she spoke life into us. And I think that helped my identity be built in who I am, believing that I can, believing that I have something to offer. So thank you, Mum, for that encouragement. Is my dad here this morning? Is dad here? No, no. Oh, he doesn't get anything then. Let's move on. When I was, um, when I was in my early 20s, I remember um, I started to preach in the church that I was a part of. And there was this guy named Craig, for those who know Craig Schaefer, would sit down with me after the message and say, hey, Nathan, can I... Can I talk you through the good bits and can I talk you through the not so good bits? And I said, yes. And it was wonderful as he invested in my life. He said, this was great. Have a think about this. You could have said this differently. And he built into my life. Sam Riley, he's out in, in um, a rise this morning. And Sam Riley's the guy who's invested in my life heaps around leadership, around vision, around direction. He's another huge investment in my life. A pastor named Paul, um, the pastor before me, grabbed me as some guy who was doing youth ministry and trying to work it, work it out, and he saw value in me, and he spoke life and encouraged me, and he helped me be the person I am today. And I think as we look back over our lives, all of us have had people who have invested in us. People, maybe a teacher, a friend, a Christian leader who has got alongside us and encouraged us, spoke life into us believed in us, lifted us to a new level. Who is one person for you this morning that, that, that's done that? Turn to the person next to you, and in like 15 seconds, tell them that one person who's invested in you. Go. <laughs> Good. 
10 seconds left. Yeah, it's a bit loud, I think. Turn it down. It's all right. No. All righty, let's come back. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for those people in your life? I'll ask the question again. Are you thankful for those people in your life? Yes. Have they helped mould you to be the people that you are today? Yes. It's a wonderful thing. And friends, we should be thankful for those people that have encouraged us, that have supported us through a difficult time, who have taught us, who have lifted us to a, new, to, a, to, to a new level, and we should be thankful. But friends, if it stops with us, and if we get all the support and the encouragement, and, and we don't pass it on to the next generation, well, the next generation is going to miss out. The people that are younger than us, the people that are coming up, are going to miss out on the encouragement, on the support, on the investment. And so here's the, the first question for you this morning. Are you investing in the lives of others? Are you? Make it personal. Karen, Kev, Cole, are you investing in the lives of others? Who is it? Who are you investing in? Have a think about it. Who are you deliberately investing in? Next question this morning is this. Are you doing it well? Now, we all have money, right? And we like to invest our money. And sometimes we make good investments. Hopefully this never happens, the negative one. And sometimes people make bad investments. And as we invest in people, as we encourage them, as we speak life into them, we can do that well or we could do that poorly. So this morning what I want to do is take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul talks about how to invest in people well. Now, in this passage, Paul doesn't use the word invest. He uses, he uses the word father, which takes investing to a whole new level. Paul fathers the church in Corinth. He invests in them. And in this passage, it tells us the importance of it, but also how to do it well. Let's look at the passage together from verse 14. Paul writes this I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you. As my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Verse 17. For this reason, I've sent Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. A bit of context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. If you go back to Acts chapter 18, you will read how Paul went to Corinth and he went to the synagogue, the place where the Jewish people met, and he presented the message of Jesus. And the Bible says that he tried to convince the Jewish people in the synagogue that, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that Jesus was the guy, the number one, the, the, the one that all the Old Testament pointed to. But the people didn't like the message and they didn't like Paul and they, and they were angry with him. So Paul left the synagogue, went next door to a Greek-speaking guy who feared God. He preached the gospel there in, in that home and people got saved and more people came to that home and more people got saved. And Paul spent 18 months of his life investing into the people of Corinth. 
He, a church was set up. After 18 months, he left. And then he hears reports about what's happening in the church, that the church has drifted away from the things that, he, that he's been taught. Other teachers are coming in and teaching weird stuff, but their character wasn't great. They were involved in sexual immorality. There were divisions in the church. One person, um, people were getting drunk at, at, at the communion feast. They were putting their own agendas of, of, in, in front of others. And Paul writes this letter to the church to say, hey, remember what I taught you. Come back. Come back to the things that are true, to the things that are godly. That's the reason for his letter. And so in these verses, he gives us a glimpse of how he fathers this church, how he invests, how he guides this church. And this morning, I want to give you four things from this passage, four things about investing in people. The first one is this, be like a father to them. Be like a father to those you're investing in. Paul writes this, he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear, what's the word? Children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. The first thing he calls them is children. And the second thing he refers to are these, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ. Now, that 10,000 guardians is talking about teachers. It's referring back, and if you look at the, the uh, Greek word, it's about a servant at the time who took care of the children, who would educate the children or would take the kids to be educated. They would care for the children and then hand the, par- hand the kids back to their parents. A bit like a primary school teacher today. Primary school teachers do a great job in caring for kids while they're in their care, and they teach them all this great stuff. But as soon as three o'clock comes, there is jubilation in the teacher's heart as they hand them back to their parents. Maybe not that much jubilation. That was my, my experience as a teacher. There was this wonderful experience handing them back. And Paul makes the distinction between a teacher who, yes, loves the kids and wants to teach the kids, but that love and affection and desire for that children does not, does not compare to a parent who loves those kids at a whole nother level, whose compassion and desire to see those kids thrive is a whole nother level. And so Paul writes, you have many teachers, people who can teach you and train you, but you don't have many fathers. The love, the care that I have for you. And he says, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. What does he mean by that? Well, Paul is the one who birthed them. Father, he birthed them. It was through his ministry that this church responded to Jesus. In Acts chapter 18, he planted the church. People got saved. They, Paul was the one who birthed them. He led them to Christ, who taught them, who encouraged them, who, who led them forward. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, I can only invest or I can only father people who I lead to Jesus, well, think again. Because in the very next verse, he talks about, he talks about Timothy who he describes as my son in the faith, my son in the faith. But Paul didn't birth Timothy. If you read to Timothy, you will read it to Timothy's Timothy's mother and his grandmother who taught him about the faith and, and led him to Jesus. In Acts chapter 16, Paul turns up to a place called Lystra, Acts chapter 16. And in that place, the church is there and they say, hey, Paul, there's this guy named Timothy. He's awesome. You should encourage him. So Paul takes him on his journey. He loves Timothy. He teaches him. He equips him, supports him, and then eventually releases him. He fathered 
Timothy. I remember when I first started coming to this church, and I can't remember the situation, but Michelle and I must have had a disagreement going on. And the pastor at the time, Paul, noticed this disagreement in our marriage. I talked to Michelle about it last night. We can't remember what it was about. But I remember that night after church, he rang me up, Nathan, I want to come around. And he came around to our house and said, Nathan, I sense you and Michelle have got something going on. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and we talked about it and we worked it through and it was a a really, really good thing. It was about someone fathering, investing in, in our lives. If you want to invest in people, firstly, you've got to be a father to them. Paul talks about what fathering looks like when he writes to the church in Thessalonica. He writes this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Look at these words. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Here's a picture of fathering. Here's a a picture of investing in others. Encourage, comfort, and urge people to live lives worthy of God. Nina talked about mentoring as a relationship with a purpose. It's not just a relationship. It's to help people move. There it is. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God. Of the gospel. Second thing we see in this verse, Paul writes this. He says, Set an example. He writes in verse 16, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Paul writes in verse 16, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Paul says, Copy me. Watch my life, my actions, how I behave, and imitate me. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this very confronting. Let's get real, church. So you are how old? Work it out. It's sometimes hard to work it as you get a bit older, particularly like if you're in the middle, like between 30 and 40 or between in the middle there, like Michelle didn't even know how old she was this morning. She said 40 something. Maybe she was hiding her age rather than, you know what I mean? And have a think about how, how old you are. And then look around the room to find someone 10 years younger than you. Have a look. Have a look around the room 10 years younger than you. Some of you young guys that may be out in kids' ministry. All right, have a look. 10 years younger than you. About. Now, 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 now let me ask you this question. Here we go. That person who's about 10, 10 years younger than you, right? If that person grew in their faith from where they're currently at to a place where you are at right now with your relationship with Jesus... Would that be a good thing for them? I'll say it again. Think about that person a bit younger than you. As they grow up in their faith, if they grew to your age and they had the same faith, same passion for God, same lifestyle as you, would that be good for that person? Is that confronting for anyone this morning? Because hopefully the answer is yes. Because Paul writes, therefore I urge you to imitate me. Should we imitate Jesus? Absolutely. But Paul writes a number of occasions, a number of occasions, imitate my life. And friends, as Christians who are investing in others, it's vital that we set an example for the people who are following us to follow. 
There is this thing in creation where we reproduce after our own kind. The Bible says that. Dogs and dogs, cats and cats, people and people. And you know what? The people you invest in, the people you get alongside, the ones you mentor, the ones you lead, you know what happens? They start to look like you. They value what you value, start to. They start to behave like you behave. They start to prioritize what you are prioritize. And I say to my leadership team, I got bad news for you guys. You're going to look like me. And they went, oh dear. But then I got bad news for you because they're, lead- and they're, they're most probably leading you. So you're going to look like them who look like me. So you're all going to look like me. And everyone says, yeehaw, celebration, party time, streamers, party poppers. We reproduce after our own kind. We need to set the example. Remember back to Sunday school. How many people went to Sunday school growing up? Yeah, I had this, I had this uh, Sunday school teacher who, who just loved the Bible and he, and, and he taught us the scriptures. He didn't do enough around um, teaching us how to apply it to our lives, but he was awesome at teaching us the truth of the scriptures. And he believed the Bible. He believed that when the Bible said that the world was made in seven days, well, it was seven 24-hour periods. And as a kid, I picked that up and I believe that. And friends, I still believe that, not because he taught me that, but because I believe the Bible says that. The Bible says that the, world, the whole world was flooded. And he said, well, if it says the whole world was flooded, therefore it was the whole world. And so I believed it and I still believe it today. He was so strong on, if the Bible says it, I believe it and that settles it. And that foundation built something in me about the importance of the Scriptures and believing them to be true. And when it says Jesus did this miracle, I believe it. When it says this person went there, I believe it. This person said this, I believe it, because that's what the Bible says. I caught that from my teacher and I still believe it today. Friends, you become like who you hang around, you reproduce after your own kind. When you invest in people, when you father people, set an example for them to follow because they will... Do what you do, think what you think, act what you act. Third point this morning, have the hard conversation. Who loves to have hard conversations with people? One, two, right. I don't like it. It's horrible, but it's necessary. Look what Paul writes here in verse 14. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Not to shame you, not to tear you down, but to warn you. In other words, to protect you, to guide you, to to keep you from harm, to lift you up. Big difference between tearing down and lifting up. And as you invest in people, as they ask you to hold them accountable, you're going to have hard conversations. You're going to notice things in their life and you're going to ask the question, help me understand this. As you lead people, the people that you lead, who are under under your leadership, You have to have hard conversations with them sometimes. And you know what? The beautiful thing about a hard conversation is that if you do it well, usually your relationship with that person goes to a whole nother level. A deeper trust is built. Stronger relationships are built. Hard conversations are actually good things if we do them well. And here, Paul says how to do them well. He says, don't shame people. In other words, bag them out, find the mistake, tell them they're no good, tear them down. Don't do that. Rather, notice the issue, ask a question, love on them, 
Encourage them. Say, if you keep doing that, where do you think it's going to end up? And that's a totally different way of doing it. That's about building compared to tearing down. I remember when I was about 15 years of age, I was helping at a, at a ministry with our disabled people and the uh, leader, who I knew by name, and he, he, knew, he knew my name, we had pretty much no relationship. At the end of the night, he came up to me and, and just tore shreds off me, told me off. I was 15, he would have been maybe 50 or 60. He just ripped into me. Now, I can't remember what he said, but apparently I was mucking around. Now, I can't imagine it being too bad. I can imagine I was mucking around, but it can't have been too bad. We're in a sort of a Christian environment and I was 15. It wasn't that bad at the time. But all I remember is that he shamed me. There was no warning. There was no lifting up. There was nothing. He just teared, tore me down. And I, worked, I walked away with a bad feeling in my belly and I've never forgotten it. Having hard conversations is not about tearing people down. It's about protecting. It's about lifting. It's about encouraging. Last one this morning is this. Releasing people. Releasing people. The people you father, the people you invest in, we've got to release them. Look at verse 17. For this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my, la- of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul writes, I'm sending to you Timothy. I'm sending to you Timothy. Now, as I said, Paul met Timothy in Acts 16. Paul spoke into his life, encouraged him. Paul took him on his journey. He invested in him, and then he eventually released him to do the stuff that Paul was doing. And friends, if you're going to be a great father to people, if you're going to invest in people, there needs to be a time to release them, to give them a go. And one of the problems we got is that once we've done a ministry for some time, we get good at it. And we get proficient at it and we do it really, really well. And as we invest in people and encourage people, we, we, are, we are give them a go, but they can't do it as good as us. And they can't, usually. So then we're reluctant to release them, to give it to them and say, go for it and clap our hands and support them and get the pom-poms out. We look at them and we think to ourselves, oh, they're not ready yet. So we hold on to the responsibility rather than pass it on. But let me ask you this. Were you ready when you first took it on? And the chances are you're not. And sometimes I think to ourselves that we see people as not ready, but we're comparing them with ourselves who are definitely ready and have done it for lots and lots of years and we fail to release. We fail to say, there it is, have a go. But the reality is, friends, we only learn as we have a go. And people are going to make mistakes. And the people that we release to aren't going to do it as well as you. You've got more wisdom, more experience, more knowledge. And you know what? That's okay. They need to learn. They need to grow. Give them responsibility. Allow them to fail. And when you fail, you don't shame them. You encourage them. And so have another go. Go again. You can do this. Four things this morning. Here's a question. Who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Having the hard conversation, releasing, fathering. What was the fourth thing I've forgotten? How are you supposed to remember? Set an, ex- set an example. Who are you investing in this morning? If you're a parent, let me encourage you to invest in your children. 
Wow. Primarily there, if you're a parent, invest, build, encourage your children. If you're in your 20s, if you guys in the 20s, think about who, which teenager can I invest in? If you're in your 30s, think about which person in your 20s can I invest in? If you're in your 40s, who in the 30s? If you're in your 50s, who? if you're in the 80s, well, you can choose whoever you like, Mr. Rex, because you're in your 80s, you can license to do whatever, really, isn't it? High five. He still does high fives at 80, sort of, a bit of a handhold. That's awesome. Who are you investing in? And friends, those people who invested in my life, that Sunday school teacher, that, 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 that Craig guy who helped me with my preaching, and um, my youth leader at the age of 17, a guy named Steve Wood, he encouraged me to take all the head knowledge that I had and make it a personal relationship with Jesus. All these people... It didn't just happen like some teacher at the front of the platform, and this isn't maybe even the best way to invest in people. It's one way. But these people deliberately came alongside me, showed interest, cared for me, encouraged me, had the hard conversation, set the example. These people did that for me. Maybe you're a business leader, and you can think about other business people who you can invest in. If you're a leader in a certain area of ministry, invest in other leaders. Or if you're passionate about an area, passionate about healing, passionate about prophecy, passionate about cars, passionate about... Find some with a similar passion and invest in them. Invest in people by be like a father to them. Set an example have the hard conversation, and finally release them. Four great things to do in investing in people. One last story to finish. Um, last Wednesday was Elevate, and um, Katrina Clout spoke, for those that were there. And Stephen and Katrina first came to this church as nominal. Nominal? Nominal? Sorry, everyone. Nominal Christians, that's the word. I invited them to church. They weren't going to, they were going to another church very, very sporadically. I said, look, I want to invest in you guys. And they came in the first week with their, with their prayer and they sat at the very, very back where Diane is. And I saw something in Stephen and Katrina Clout when they first came back in 2009. I'm not too sure even the, the date. And I invested in them. I mentored Stephen, one a month. We met fortnightly, monthly. We talked about the scriptures. We helped him in his faith. And he had wisdom and eventually he grew and grew and we got him on the eldership team. And Katrina as well, I invested in her and, and I recognised she had a speaking gift. So I got her up on the platform and she was our first MC like we have today. And she did it in her ditzy, blonde <laughs> Katrina way. But she was just, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. And then on Wednesday, she was the guest speaker at Elevate. And as she was speaking, I was tearing up. And she was telling this sad story about her kids. I'm thinking, why am I tearing up? Am I tearing up because of the story? I wasn't. I was tearing up because there's someone that I spent years investing in, encouraging, supporting, and now she's a guest speaker at our Elevate event and doing an incredible job. I was so blessed, so encouraged, like, wow, 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 that I'm making a difference. That when you build into people's lives, it's worth it. When you invest, the, the, 
the reward, the reaping is just. And they're no longer part of our church, which is a bit unfortunate. They moved to Newcastle, but they're like the key couple for the pastors that they're serving up there, up at Lift Church. And they're a huge blessing. I share that story not to go, Nathan, you're awesome, but to encourage you to say, when you invest in people, it's so worth it. Lives are touched, lives are transformed, and we build the future leaders of God's kingdom. Can I encourage you to choose one person to invest in? Don't think five, don't think six, think, think one. Ask them, hey, do you mind if I mentor you? Or do you mind if I invest in your life? Or maybe you're here and you go, wow, I would love Marcelo to invest in my life. And now that's going to be half the church. So just go to Marcelo and say, hey, Marcelo, I know you've got all this free time, not. How would you, how, would you consider investing in me? It will make a huge change to your world. Imagine, imagine a church where every single person was mentored, every single person had someone investing in them, encouraging, being like a father, where someone was setting an example, where people were having the hard conversations in order to build up. And then we built them and then we released them in the ministry and we got out of the way and we gave them a go. Imagine what it would do for this church. Imagine what it would do for God's kingdom. Imagine the impact across the churches. It would be incredible. Amen? And let's pray together. So I'm going to start. I'm going to let you fill in the names. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for those people who invested in us. And Father, I pray now that you would, from this message, Lord, that that as you've spoken today, Lord, it would stir us, that it would challenge us, that it would encourage us, motivate us to be deliberate to invest in others. Show us, God, who you want us to invest in. And if we're here today and we haven't got a mentor, someone investing in us, God, show us the person that you want to invest in our lives. And friends, maybe you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus. When, when, when Donna shared around communion, she talked about what Jesus did on the cross through his death and resurrection. If you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus and you'd like to, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to commit my life to Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, you just become a Christian. At the end of the song, we're going to have a prayer team. Come and stand with someone at the prayer team. We want to pray for you. Maybe there's another need that you have. Prayer team's going to be here. Let's sing. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen.